Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 11 of Words with Writers podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Canadian Authors Association, Toronto Branch. We are a membership-based organization for writers in all levels, areas, and genres of the writing profession. We are your hosts, Chris Gorman and Brandy Tanner. Thank you for joining us for this, our 11th episode. Today, we'll start with the usual overview of our Canadian Authors Toronto events and some upcoming writing contests. And then, lucky listeners, we are going to bring a little romance into our lives and yours with this month's special guests. That's right, Brandy. Lilith Darville is here to share an excerpt from Tate's Tale, book one in the Sexy Sins Afterlife Retreat series, followed by Shauna James reading from her novel, Despite the Devil, from her They Loved collection. You definitely want to stay tuned for these two heart-racing readings and the follow-up chats about their inspirations and the romance writing genre. Oh my, I'm swooning already. Well, let's not waste any time then. Chris, you went to the Canadian Authors Toronto Open Mic Night on February 25th. Care to tell us about it? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Honestly, it was one of our best open mics yet. I mean, all of our open mics are amazing. But what I loved about this one was our diversity. Uh, You and I have talked a lot about how important that is to us, but it was really awesome to see it in action. And they all brought completely different stories to the table. We had some fantasy, some brilliant poetry, a supernatural thriller, and even a play. And the readers, they all spoke with such passion. Oh, that sounds so awesome. And our open mics are always crowd pleasers, so can't wait for the next one. Well, our next event, Tips from Across the Table, will be held via Zoom on Thursday, March 25th from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. It's an author-editor roundtable featuring author Morgan Christie, writer-editor Therese Mason-Pierre, editor Jeremy Luchik, and writer-editor Jessica DeBrun. This event is free for members of Editors Toronto and Canadian Authors Toronto and $7.50 for all non-members. We hope to see you there. Yeah. And as always, stay tuned to our event calendar at canadianauthors.org slash Toronto slash events for details of our upcoming events in April and May. So that brings us to the writing contests. Brandy, what are some of the amazing contest opportunities coming up? Well, for our loyal listeners who write poetry or short fiction, then maybe Grain Magazine's 29th Annual Short Grain Writing Contest is for you. Submit your entry of one or two poems, no longer than 100 lines each, or one or two short stories, no longer than 2,500 words each, along with the $40 entry fee by April 1st. You could win the first prize of $1,000 in each category, second prize of $750, or third prize of $500, and all winning entries will be published in Grain Magazine. Or how about a humor writing contest? Now in its 20th year, the Wurgle Flomp Humor Poetry Contest seeks today's best humor poems. There is no entry fee, and the contest is open until April 1st. Enter your funny poem for the chance to win first prize of $2,000, second prize of $500, 
or one of the 10 honorable mention prizes of $100 each. The top 12 entries will be published online. That sounds like an amazing contest. Even the name Wurgleflop just makes me smile. I know. Isn't that awesome? I, I want to submit just because I like the title of the contest. <laughs> yeah, uh, it must be fun to be a judge for the humor poetry contest. Another one I bet is fun to judge is our uh, is for our young listeners out there, ages 14 to 19. The Stephen Leacock Student Humorous Short Story Competition 2021 is accepting submissions of humorous stories or personal memoirs with a maximum length of 1,500 words uh, from now until April 15th. For the $5 entry fee, you get a shot at the first prize of $1,000, second prize of $700, or third prize of $300, and all three winners receive two tickets each for the Laugh with Leacock night on June 4th. Now, since next month is National Poetry Month, we will end the contests with the Contemporary Verse 2 two-day poem contest. This annual contest challenges you to write an original poem in 48 hours with one catch. The final poem must include 10 words provided by the contest runners. To participate, you must register by April 16th to compete in the contest from April 23rd to April 25th for an entry fee of $26 for registration plus a one-year subscription to Contemporary Verse 2 magazine, or $16 for registration only. The prizes are $500 for first place, $300 for second place, and $150 for third place. And as always, you can see complete details of these contests and more at canadianauthors.org slash national slash links slash awards dash competitions. And that wraps up the event and contest portion of our show. Now kick back, grab your glass of wine or mug of tea, and get ready for some love with this month's guests, Lilith Darvel and Shauna James. Please be aware there is some language in the first reading you may not want younger listeners to hear. All right, here we go. Our first guest today is Lilith Darville. Lilith is the international best-selling author of Dangerously Delicious Romance, Paranormal Reverse Harem, Dark and Contemporary. Her stories are guaranteed to make readers flush and blush. She lives in Ontario with her beloved hubster and their somewhat challenged cat. Well, that's a great bio. Welcome to the show, Lilith. Thanks, Brandy. Thanks, Chris. How are you? Oh, we're good. Yeah, Doing good today. Excellent. So, uh, Lilith, we're happy to have you on the show today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what drew you to romance writing as a genre? So, it was actually fantasy uh, 
in the sexual romantic fantasies that drew me first to writing romance, per se. I've been writing since I was a child. So writing is something that's in my genes. But uh, my husband challenged me to write him some fantasies is actually what started this whole thing. And then we started doing this, writing each other fantasies back and forth. And one of those eventually led to this book. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Where do you get your inspiration for your writing? If you don't mind me asking, considering it's uh, romance stuff. <laughs> I don't mind at all. And I get it from all sorts of places. Obviously, those fantasies that I talk about was being part of it. But um, I recently got in, well, recently, about a year and a half ago, got into writing paranormal romance. So I get a lot of inspiration from, obviously, stories and wikis and things that are out there. Um that I just surf around and, and look at. So, and I love watching a lot of TV shows um, that are, are like that kind of thing. So you get, you call ideas from there. I read voraciously in all sorts of genre, fiction genres. Um, so, I mean, all that kind of thing helps call things there. And sometimes real life situations will spur the idea for one of my novels. So right now, for example, um, I'm getting into writing because there's a lot of cry out there from boomers. Um, so writing heroines that are in their 40s and 50s. So there is mm -hmm. an inspiration idea, right? Oh, a, a heroine that's in her um, 40s. And what could, what might she be doing and what might life be bringing her, right? You just like look around and you go, okay, so we're in a pandemic, right? So pandemic can be part of the inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of, you know, and it is romance, so there's happily ever after, but I can tinge, you know, part of that with the experience that people are living through at the time. And then because it's paranormal, I, part of the joy of doing that is that I was able to live through creating another world, which I did. So that world is now a lot of inspiration for where the stories might go. Awesome. Wonderful. That sounds uh, like something I would I would definitely read. <laughs> so do you want to go ahead and give us a brief introduction to what you're going to read for us today? And then you can get right into it. Sure. So I was talking about that paranormal series that I, I started and got into. So I'm going to read the first chapter of the first book of that series. So the series is called the Sexy Sins Afterlife Retreat Series. And the first book in the series is called Tate's Tale. And uh, so the inspiration, part of the inspiration for this came from, um, there's a bunch of things, but part of it was the movie Meet Joe Black. And um, my husband's been quite sick and we were, as while he was recovering, we were watching, he put on Joe, Meet Joe Black because he knows it's a favorite of mine and that twigged a bunch of ideas. So I'm going to now launch into Tate's Tale because that sets the platform. And uh, so this chapter is from the perspective of the heroine whose name is Tate. Am I dead? Those are the first words out of my mouth after I land flat on my ass in a throne room. At least I think it's a throne room. One minute I was hovering above my comatose body, hoping the angel of death would actually look like Joe Black. Yes, I have a Brad Pitt fetish. The next I was plucked out of the room and deposited here. Still dressed in my haute couture hospital gown, I might add. Sigh. Yeah, that's exactly how I want to be dressed when I make my appearance at the pearly gates. Wait, pain and nausea grip my middle. So not the pearly gates. 
My head swims and I keep it bowed while I take inventory. I pinch my arm. Ouch. Okay, I have corporeal presence. Visions of the tornado in the Wizard of Oz drift through my mind. Not the pearly gates, not Kansas. Oz is also highly unlikely. Then where the hell am I? I turn in a circle and find my bearings in the iridescent eyes of a stunning woman sitting on an ornate chair. Her flowing gown shimmers as she raises her arm. A second later, a blanket wraps around my shoulders. I tug it across my front, suddenly aware that I'm freezing. At least I'm not in hell. I doubt they have manners there. No child, you are not dead. You've been chosen for a special mission. We don't have much time before the transition sickness takes hold. Please listen carefully. My name is Hera and I'm queen of the Olympian gods. Where am I? I don't care who she is and this nausea is making me more than a little salty. If she thinks I'm going to sit here quietly and just take whatever she's dishing out, she's got another thought coming. I open my mouth to speak and can't. The mouth opens, but not a sound comes out. What the fuck? I glare up at Hera. She graces me with a guess who's in charge smile. You're in Bardo. I give her the stink eye. I studied the classics in university and I know that as queen of the gods, she has few redeeming qualities. She looks down at me and smiles. Don't believe everything you hear. I'm sure I have many good traits. Name two. You'd do well to watch that mouth of yours. I've killed for less. So, she reads minds. Great. Bardo is the realm between realms. Welcome. This will be quick because we have very little time before the Ascension Cold Fever takes over. Right now, your earthly body lies in a coma, allowing you to do the work we need. You will take over as director at one of our schools for one of your Earth months. Delight battles pain as I realize what she's saying. If this is the afterlife, I can find out what happened to my husband, Bob. Find out if our love was so pure that he's gone on to another life. My heart hammers with fear and hope. Maybe, just maybe. My teeth chatter so hard I'm scared they'll chip, but I manage to stammer out the words. Is my husband here? Yes, he's here doing the work he needs to do. My heart does a happy dance dampened by this damn sickness that's overtaking me. I need to see him. Child, I'm going to speak in your vernacular. Refuse to do this work for us and we'll pop your ass right back in your body where you can wait another 50 years to see your beloved Bob. Or do the work you've been chosen for and spend the rest of eternity with him. Well, that was clear. At least I know how to run a college. But you can't solve organizational problems in a month. Definitely not. Nothing much gets done in the first 90 days if any manager worth her salt is doing the job properly. And if this examination center of yours isn't in order in a month, I so want to give her the stink eye again, but she's just so damn intimidating. Everything about her screams, don't mess with me. It's insane that Zeus was able to fuck around with her and live to tell the tale. Hera showers me with a triumphant smile. I have every confidence that with the examiner's help, you'll set things right at the Sexty Sins afterlife retreat. And speaking of all things weird, who on earth picked such a cheesy name? I mean, really? Of course. Then again, I'm talking about an entity that marries her brother who, in turn, cheats on her. The pain ratchets up a notch. You'd do wise to park that attitude of yours up here. More mind reading. Awesome. 
I don't need to read minds when looking at a face as expressive as yours. The name was my idea, and I certainly hope one of the lessons you'll learn is to be far less judgmental. By now, the pain and nausea are so bad I can barely breathe. I am not judgmental. Ah, the ascension cold fever has set in. You'll need that taken care of. Once you're over the transition symptoms, the examiners will orient you to your role. Good luck, child. Hera stands and disappears in a flash of light. I lie huddled in a muddled mass of misery. Wait, but... But all I can do is hold my head as the severe headache hits and intense cold racks my body. Then I'm in the air and snuggled against the large warm body heat. I look up and catch a glimpse of brunette curls framing the most beautiful and familiar face. My mind searches for a thought it can't find. Only pain and the need to get rid of it exists. Hera's voice, real or imagined, echoes in my brain. One last piece of advice, child. Things here are not always what they appear to be. Follow your heart and all will become clear. That was amazing, Lilith. Yeah, that was very well done. Thank you very much. Yeah. Amazing reading. So which Dracula is that that you've got there? Oh. <laughs> it's the, um, the Peter Cushing Dracula. Okay. And he's got an interview with the vampire on the other side there. So he's surrounded by vampires. <laughs> so is that actually like Tom Cruise? With Tom yeah, Cruise that, on the poster? So it's that version of interview? That version. Yeah. That version, yeah. I'm a huge Anne Rice fan of that uh, series, actually. It's probably one of the things that got me into paranormal. Actually, I, it is actually when I was challenged with writing paranormal, um, one of the, and I went, oh, I don't know anything about it. One of the things that was part of the mind process was, but don't, is that really true? Because don't you really read and love and like Anne Rice's vampire series? And it's like, uh-huh. And then our child had dragged me through every Twilight book and movie. <laughs> you realized you did know a lot about it. <laughs> or something about it, enough to start. <laughs> and the rest <Yeah>. is history. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so do you guys write full-time? Uh, I work at Bombardier right now full-time. And I try to write in my off time, which I tend to go through long spurts where I'm writing and long spurts of drought. <laughs> and what where do you write, Chris? There's just no energy left. Um, I hear you. Yeah. I used to get up at fourth or actually one of the things a friend said finally is if you want to write, you you got to get up in the morning and do it. And I started getting up at 4.30 in the morning. It was murder, <laughs> but I got into the pattern of it and that's how I got the writing done. Yeah. <clears throat> nice. What genre do you write? Uh, fantasy. I'm writing a series right now that's set 100 years in the future. It's nice. about the return of magic to the world. Hey, cool. Yeah. Love yeah. that. So you must be in the Merlin nice. wiki a lot. I like Merlin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great wiki, isn't it? For, if you want to know all the lists of their magic spells and stuff. Yes, Brandy, for you, sure. <laughs> Brandy, what do you write? So I write um, <clears throat> some different things, but um, I like to dabble in science fiction, a little bit of horror. And right now I'm working for actually Canadian Authors National. I do administration work for them. So yeah, I'm not writing full time, but my work revolves around writers. So that still kind of keeps me in the, the mind space of it all, I guess. But um, 
Yeah, I probably don't write as much as I, I want to or as much as I should right now, but I, I struggle with finding that good pattern. So I just take the moments of the day when I really feel it and sit down and write as opposed to have like a really good writing schedule. But one of these days I will I'll be better at scheduling myself. I say that every day though. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you have to find the process that works for you. And one of the things that's been a huge help for a whole slew of us, I, I sprint every day with U.S. urban fantasy authors, actually, Chris. And uh, almost all of us have gone through Becca Symes' um, Write Better Faster course, which is not what it sounds like. It's about learning about who you are and what you bring to the writing process. And it's been pivotal for each one of us. So somebody like me, who's always was, was always working on just, you know, everybody else seems to be able to write 1500 words, let's say an hour, and I can only write 500. I want to write 1500. But to make a long story short, understanding what my strengths are and what I bring to the process, my third strength is intellection. So it's like having a computer going in the background all the time, but until the ready, computer's ready to chuck out, mm. like I've solved this formula, I can chuck this out now into a chapter or scene. Mm. That's happening all the time and it's part of the process. So I will have to stop, for instance, and research something to keep to fuel that. Whereas you might be able to just go, no, I don't need to know that right now. And I can just put, you know, fill in later and keep writing and vomit that out. So um, that's just putting on a very simplistic level, but it was pivotal for each one of us in learning. And actually much each one of us find we're much more productive because there's things like the time of day you write that has to do with productivity and stuff and who you are. Mine's different than yours and Chris's. So um, anyway, if you ever, I can't tell you if you're struggling with any of that stuff, even just look up her podcast. Um, because she's got stuff on writer burnout and, um, and it's not just for the romance world. So, and she works with authors. She's like an author whisperer. Her name <laughs> is Becca. Um, that's, we truly do call her that Becca, B-E-C-C-A, Slime, S-Y-M-E. Um, and yeah, she's got a slew of podcasts on. She's got a, a channel, I think, uh, with, or a stream that's the right, better, faster. She's got a stream on burnout and whatever. You'll see. Yeah. We'll check, I'm going to check her out. Find that. Yeah, okay. It is so, like, it's made such a huge difference to each one of us, include in particular the ones of us that are still working. Because I was yeah. still working when I actually, uh, when one of my author friends shoved me towards Becca and said, you have to do this. It's like the best money you'll ever spend. And it was. I took her course, but the biggest, and I had already done most of the personality profiles and stuff because that's something I studied on my work side. Um, but uh, the it was worth the whatever it was, $200 it was because of the individual um, like the course laid the groundwork on understanding it if you don't know about things like Clifton strengths and Myers breaks and that sort of thing. So you learn in general the philosophy behind it. Then she has two or three one on one hours with you and uh -huh. actually drills down and talks about who you are and what your process is and how things work for you. What would be red flags that will get in your way? You know, Chris, it might be for you that this is something that would be helpful for you to get in more words at times. Um, anyway, I could go yeah. on for days. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, it's good. Great. An individualized approach because uh, 
we're all so very different. We all process things so differently, right? And uh, yeah, that sounds really, I'll look her up. And, and I, I like that she combines a bunch of, like, it's not just I'm a Clifton Strengths person. There's a lot of it that's around that, but she folds in other personality things that are well-researched and studied um, and adds that to the picture. So it's quite a broad individual picture that you're getting. Yeah. Like you hit, you kind of hit the nail on the head for me of what, what often stopped me in the past. Um, it took me, it took me a long time, almost 20 years to write my first book. And the large portion of that was because I would be going really good. And then I would hit a spot and be like, Oh, I have to research more of this. I need to understand more of this. And it's not fully fleshed out. And then before you knew it, I hadn't written anything for months. And then that just kept going, right? And the way I eventually broke through it was I forced myself to hit that spot and then say, note, come back later, keep going. <laughs> um, and once I did that, I was able to actually do okay. Well, you made well, me think, Chris, I've been writing one for six years now and <laughs> there's no end in sight. So make me feel better if it took you a while. <laughs> so if I can make you feel better, I think that if I went back, I did at one point, it might've been 1992 that I actually put my first fiction words because I was well, our branch was well active. And I started writing erotic romance. There was a line that came out, uh, I think it was a UK line, Black Lace. It was written by women. And it was like erotic romance. Some of it really trashy, some of it really good. And we have a bookstore here that's called Wordsworth, which is like our literary book, you know, independently owned bookstore. And so I walked, was in there, second home, and saw this shelf of all of these books. And I'm going, okay, well, if they're here, and I didn't know what it was until I took it home and reading it. I'm like, like, oh, <laughs> so I know nothing. About, in fact, if you talked to me about romance, I would have gone. Ooh. So I don't even know if they called it romance, but it was like women's fiction or something like that. That is what got me. Right. So I started writing this uh, erotic romance and the group I was with was people me into their editing circle. And one day they did an intervention. They literally, we used to do it at once a month in each other's homes for an entire Friday afternoon. They sat me down and they're like, you're a really good writer, but you're ruining your talent. You're, you know, wasting your talent on this crap that you're <laughs> writing. And I, I almost actually kind of like, I went into the closet. I did put it away and was like destroyed. And then I thought, okay, I'll try a coming of age novel, which is still in process. I keep thinking I should go back because I can probably call things from that mm. in order to, you know, in something else that I'm doing. Anyway, I did that, but I was, I mean, it just wasn't working. I got lots of writing experience. And in between that, I mean, for my career, I did textbook writing and all sorts of things. I was an, a, a feature magazine article writer, et cetera. But my book, my fiction, so where the love was, I'm like, Ugh. So anyway, this sort of went on chugging like this with me, you know, maybe some once in a while paying attention. And then one day, a friend who was a professor phoned and went, so you know about this, uh, this, this erotic romance, Martin is starting to bubble. And this was before Fifty Shades of Grey. And he's like, you really should do something because he'd read part of this 
original stuff that I was doing. Anyway, long story short, it came out and I was commuting. I was a director of schools actually at the time and commuting from Toronto home when the call came on the gold train. And he's like, so like, have you seen what happened with this book? <laughs> and like, I told you what an ass. And it's like that conversation led to me, like, I'm so unhappy in what I'm doing. Really, I'm working 18 hours a day. My husband's retired. What the frick am I doing here? Like, I'm going to die. And, and I, I did have a heart attack. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to die and not have met my dreams and everything. So anyway, long story short, I, I worked towards a retirement plan so that I could write full time and retire. Wow. Oh. No, that's very inspiring. Now I yeah. I feel so much better about not having finished my my book talking to the two of you. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> um, so I have a a question. Uh, so romance novels come in a few different sub themes, uh, right? So have you dabbled in all of them? And paranormal is, I think you said your favorite. Is that from experience of writing them all, or what? So. <laughs> I haven't written them all. That would probably be <laughs> too <bad>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've done contemporary and, and uh, so that would be a subgenre and uh, paranormal is a subgenre, but I also am doing paranormal reverse harem. So reverse harem is another type of subgenre that there is. So there's layers in, in romance writing because there can be in contemporary, there can be layers of like, there could be the motorcycle gang. Reverse harem is a good example because there's a whole sector of reverse harem that only likes to read books that are called Academy. So that's a certain voice that those books have and the readers have certain expectations for it. And if you don't write that, then you're not fitting into that subcategory. So I do, as I said, contemporary and paranormal mainly and with reverse harem being the paranormal subgenre that I'm working in. Nice. Very good. So um, what do you hope that your readers take away from your novels the most? That's a big question. So one of the things that I think is important to, uh, and one of the things that I studied in university that has nothing to do with romance writing is the psychology of sexuality. And um, it's always been fascinating to me on that um the psychological level, how important it is in our lives, and then how much our inhibitions and our, you know, uh, morality, etc., limits how people behave in that, and then the effect that can have on marriages. Because I also was a therapist for a while, so um, was able to be involved in that side of the world a bit. And I just think that if it's one of those things that if we open the dialogue about it, and um, we, you know, I'd like paint the picture I'm happily um, married for many years to the same man who uh, when we have a very special romance uh, that we have together and part of that is a very healthy sex life and that I think does affect us and I like to spread that, that kind of joy and the fact that that does exist out there there are actually in real life and I am writing fiction but I that's the message behind it that in real life there are these relationships that actually thrive and a good, healthy part of that is the sexual side of things. It's a beautiful message. That's beautiful. And, and congratulations on your long and, long and loving marriage. That's wonderful. <laughs> you. Actually, March 22nd is our I love you anniversary. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, congratulations. I almost always publish a book on that date. 
I love it. That's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So we have another new one coming out to look forward to. Very well, I'm doing a series right now. So it's a second paranormal reverse harem series um, under the pen name Liliana Darlove. And it's a book actually written in, in if there's eight books in the series. And it's following the, um, so the pandemic is part of what affected me in that. And it is not uh, dark or tragedy, although I do explore a couple of dark themes lightly in it. But it is based on the stages of grieving. Nice. Um, and I'm writing right. like that, although it is a paranormal, so it's all about angels. And the world that I actually created is the world that um, of Bardo. Bardo is actually, um, a, the Buddhists believe it's the realm between lives. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I couldn't find anything else other than a general Wikipedia entry about it. Um, I had studied some of that when I was doing religious studies in university as well. So I decided that would be a fun world to write in if we're talking about the afterlife. So that stage that they go there, then I explore in these books. So there's angels and there's gods, as you saw, I do include a bit of the world that I created in the first series. Yeah, amazing. I was, uh, I, I was so pleased when I was reading your excerpt because you mentioned Bardo and I just, it just so happens if, we had this conversation a month or two ago. I might not have known what that was, but it just so happens I'm reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead right now. Okay. So I'm yeah. do I actually understand what that is. <laughs> awesome. So imagine a romance author taking that and putting her own twist on it and building castles and stuff up there. And we're actually romping around and we have these, you know, <laughs> these sections that are based on um, the seven areas of love is actually how I based the things that are happening in Bardo. That sounds amazing. Uh, so yeah. Lilith, is there any advice you can give to budding romance writers? Okay, yes. My advice would be to learn your craft and to learn your subgenre. And when I say learn your craft, a lot of people uh, seem new romance writers that approach often you know, give a manuscript and say, can you give feedback? And they're looking for you to just to say it's the great, latest and greatest, best story. But when you look at it and say, for example, if there's an, no antagonist in the story and it's just a couple that's happily frolicking and there's not a lot of tension or anything, there's no goal, motivation, conflict, et cetera. Um, and there's no understanding when you go back to them and say, you know, I suggest that you learn story structure. And they go, I don't want to write to a formula. And a formula is very different than learning the structure of writing. It's like screenwriting. I liken this to new authors. I say, like, you have never seen probably a good screenplay that doesn't have uh, the dark moment at the end. And I'll take them to mm -hmm. action movies, for example, right? And that's an expectation, that level of conflict. So learn your craft and learn your subgenre. Right. That's excellent advice. And also, like... Um maybe we don't want to write to a formula all the time, but the the formula is the formula because that's what readers expect, right? But the formula is a structure. And I really exactly. do want to make that difference because formula implies they're telling you many, how many sex scenes to write and where that you have to put this. And structure has more to do with the way that the story moves and expectations of the reader. So you have all kinds of creative freedom around that structure, even though each one is going to have a midpoint. Each story is going to have a midpoint. I just recently had an author and I said, well, tell me what the beginning, middle and end of the story is. And it's like, there is no beginning, middle and end. And, you know, like 
how do you start with that? That you know, that's going right back to fundamentals because it's not a story. It's not a fiction story if it doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. Can you imagine a movie without a beginning and a middle and an end? Like, what are we watching? <laughs> Even a documentary has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, like uh... so true. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lilith, thank you very much for coming on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much. Yes, and for fans of romance. Uh, you can find Lilith's work at lilithdarville.com. Is there any social media links that people can follow you at? Or? Yes, I'm on Facebook. I have an, actually the uh, Lilith Darville's uh, RH Playroom is a group that I have, a robust group of uh, mostly women <laughs> who like to share some sizzle and fun. Um, I have a newsletter and a free book offer actually on my website. So that's really a good place to start. And my social media contacts are on there as well. I have an Instagram account. Um, and uh, those would probably be the main ones that I'd say Facebook and Instagram. I have presence on all the major platforms, but those are the major ones that I'm, I contact. I'm in connection with readers. Awesome. Wonderful. Oh. <laughs> thanks so much for being here and sharing your reading and your experiences and well, you thanks so much to you too and you guys keep feeding your fantasies and keep writing yes thank you <laughs> oh. <laughs> we will Shauna James is not instructing at university or writing in her favorite coffee shop. She spends much of her time reading, hiking, traveling abroad, and catching her favorite football games on Sunday afternoons. Shauna has recently released Despite the Devil, an untraditional romantic drama that tells an engrossing tale of love and making life-changing decisions, which most recently won the Canadian Book Awards. It is a love story that implies that it isn't what happens to us, things happen around us, and it is about applying energy to the most important people and events in our lives. Shauna is inspired to connect with people who have faced similar life-changing decisions and inspire positivity, self-confidence, and belief in those around us whom we love. Welcome to the show, Shauna. Thank you, Brandy. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, Shauna. Uh, so, Shauna, can you tell us a little bit about why you started writing? Well, my master's degree is in education, and I've instructed at college and university for years. I've been writing for years as well, but 2020 was unique in that college and university instruction moved off campus and online. Oddly, this was a blessing. It gave me more free time and I was able to focus on completing Despite the Devil and have it published. And in the future for 2021, I'm not sure if instructing will continue online, 
But if it does, that may enable me to complete the sequel to Despite the Devil. Awesome. So it's something that you've been wanting to do for a long time, just never had the time. Well, I had completed some chapters and basically it wasn't a complete novel. But this past year, actually with not having to commute to campus and such, it, it was surprising to me how much time was freed up. And I was able to to wrap it up and, and get it published, yes. So is there anything specific that you find you have to do in romance writing specifically that you can't do in other genres? Romance writing has its own set of rules in that the love relationship between the two main characters is the main plot and any and all obstacles that are placed in their path and, and keeps them apart really drives the story forward. In addition to that, with romance writing, the, the physical interactions are layered in traditionally in a very specific order. So um, for an example, the, the first time that the two main characters see each other, um, the first time they have eye contact, traditionally we'd move into a conversation between the two the excerpt I picked um, for today to read is actually at that stage in the story where the characters don't really know each other very well. It's a little bit, a little bit awkward yet because they don't know each other very well. Awesome. Okay. And uh, so, where do you get your inspiration for your writing, Shauna? Life, actually, Chris. I I, I write about issues that I were someone close to me has dealt with. Awesome. So, uh, Shauna, you're going to give us a brief reading. So is there anything that you want to say as way of introduction to it? The, the short scene that I, that I chose to read um, this afternoon introduces uh, the readers to the characters and introduces its, the characters to each other as well. Um, as mentioned, they don't at this point in the story that I'm reading from, they don't actually know each other very well. It's still a little awkward and um, they're, they're genuine. Yeah, I believe the readers can relate to that level of sincerity. Perfect. Well, I'm excited to hear it. It was Monday and Stephanie was supposed to go to the gym in the evening. By the time she walked out of the teacher's room with Maya, she still had a couple of hours to spare. Maya left and Stephanie was now alone. She tried to decide whether to go home or stay around. Just then, she remembered that she had to make a poster for the new drama play she was planning for that year. She spent the next half hour designing the poster and getting it printed. Then, she went to the notice board to put it up. No such luck. The notice board was all filled, and she didn't want to cover up any of the other posters. She scanned each one to see if there was anything that was past the event date so that she could ask the owner for permission to remove it. While she was looking at the posters, she noticed Andrew's soccer poster and read it once more. Interested in joining the soccer team, came a voice from behind her. Startled, she turned around to see Andrew standing behind her, smiling and looking down at her. Oh! You scared me, she blurted out, placing a hand on her chest, 
Her heart was beating wildly. Oh, sorry, Andrew apologized. I didn't mean to scare you. Andrew looked genuinely worried. Stephanie smiled at him reassuringly. No, no, it's all right, she said. I'm, I'm just looking for a place to hang my poster. I can't decide which one to remove. You can remove mine, Andrew offered kindly. No, you don't have to do that, Stephanie blushed. Andrew stepped forward, and before Stephanie could say anything else, he took down the poster. Then he took Stephanie's poster from her hand, despite her protests, posted it in the now-empty slot on the notice board. Don't worry, I already selected my team, and I came here to take it down anyway. Stephanie couldn't discern whether he was telling the truth or being sweet to her. She was glad that her poster was now on the notice board, though, occupying a prime spot that could grab lots of attention. Oh, you're too nice, she complimented him. Andrew smiled and said nothing. He glanced at his watch. Oh, am I keeping you? Stephanie asked, glancing at her own watch. No, I have about an hour to spare, and I was wondering where I could get a good cup of coffee. Andrew explained. Oh, I know exactly the place, Stephanie told him cheerily. Now she was encouraged by the fact that she hadn't said anything stupid to Andrew yet. In fact, it's my friend Maya's find. It's on my way home. I could show you the spot. Have you met Maya? I haven't met most of the teachers yet. Oh, you would have noticed her. Stephanie quipped dryly. She's bubbly and talkative, has short hair, and teaches math. Oh, yes, I think I have, Andrew chuckled. Even his laugh was enticing. Don't tell her I called her bubbly, Stephanie mumbled in a low voice, glancing around them. Andrew cracked a smile and nodded, his eyes beam with humor and life. He had such a caring look and a sense of gentleness about him. Stephanie tried to calm her stomach, which kept getting a swooshing sensation every time she looked at Andrew. They walked out of the school and Stephanie directed him to the restaurant, the one Maya and she regularly visited. This place has the best coffee and cheesecake, approved by Maya, Stephanie said by way of introduction. Maya may be a math teacher, but her real expertise is food. Approved by the expert. Got it, Andrew replied charmingly. Stephanie glanced at her watch again. She also had another hour to spare. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw Andrew studying her. Why don't you join me for a cup of coffee, he invited. Maybe you could lend me more expertise on food-related matters. Stephanie could feel her heart skip a beat, and her face flushed with excitement. She searched for words to politely refuse his invitation. Truthfully, she wanted nothing more than to spend time inside the restaurant with him. I'm not the expert, she argued lamely. It's my friend, Maya, who's the foodie. But I will join you for that cup of coffee. Consider this an apology for bumping into you the other day, Andrew added and held the door open for Stephanie to enter. Stephanie stepped inside, her mind screaming, be cool, be cool. Don't show him how much you like him. Thanks so much for sharing that reading with us, Shauna. That was really lovely. We know Despite the Devil was published in November 2020. Can you tell us a little bit about 
how you marketed it and what you found for marketing was effective and maybe what was not not as effective? In the year 2020, uh, it was just a little bit a little bit different. Social media is fantastic for bringing forth awareness. I'm not too sure if it's the best advertising avenue, but really strong for awareness and gathering a following of similar interests. Reaching out to various book clubs, I feel works really well. There are wonderful advertising avenues. As I mentioned, I'm not too sure if any given social media forum is the strongest advertising. However, a little bit of trial and error. I believe that different genres do better in different various environments. In addition to that, yeah, the, the traditional book readings um, has a little bit been a little bit more challenging as of late, but excellent opportunity to reach out and meet people of similar likes. Yeah. And you're fairly active on Goodreads, I believe, right? How do you find that? Well, I've I've heard the I've heard some negatives. My experience has been positive. I find like-minded readers, uh, like-minded authors there. It's it's quite an amazing resource. Reaching back to the marketing, they do have a few different marketing opportunities in addition to just reaching out to uh, readers and fellow authors. Can you give us some advice to any budding romance writers out there? One little tidbit to help them... Uh become more established? My advice would be to write what you love, Brandy. Write what you love. I think that when writers are genuine, it comes across in the written word and readers can truly appreciate this. That makes so much sense, right? There's no there's no sense in someone who's really into romance, for example, trying to write maybe something in the horror genre, unless they're also really into that, because it's just not going to come across authentic to the readers, right? Exactly. Right, the Devil is from the They Loved collection, right? Did you want to tell us a little bit more about that series? I have started the sequel to Despite <laughs> the Devil. It would be the second book in the They Loved collection. Wonderful. We'll stay tuned. You'll have to let us know as soon as that's coming out. And is there anywhere specific that uh, listeners can buy Despite the Devil? It is available on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, Scribed, Overdrive, through libraries, uh, Hoopla, Baker & Taylor, Vivlio. The audiobook is also available uh, through Google and Kobo, Audible, Nook, Scribed, Chirp, Overdrive, Hoopla again. Good. Lots and lots of avenues for our listeners to buy your book from. Absolutely. Wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Brandy.
Well, Brandy, those were amazing readings. I uh, and I loved how uh, I've never actually read a whole lot of romance, and I like that Lilith's, for instance, is very paranormal and contains a lot of plot elements of books that I actually often read. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Chris. I know neither of us read a. a a lot of romance. That's part of why we wanted to do this episode because we know lots of our listeners like to read the more romantic themed books. And uh, with Shauna's reading, I mean, of course, I loved Lilith's too. Um, Shauna's was nice because it gives you that that feeling, you know, when you're younger and, and you have a flirtation with someone and, and you're nervous and you're sweaty and just kind of, you know, make what it's like to be in high school again, so to speak. So uh, yeah, big thank you to Lilith and Shauna for being here today and sharing the love. Yeah. And that's our first romance themed episode. Absolutely. And, and, you know, looking at Lilith's website, the Tate's uh, series actually looks quite fascinating. And a little um, secret that I haven't talked to you about yet or anybody is I actually bought one of her books. Um, I just couldn't help myself, you know, the the cover and the description of the book. So I, I'm going to read Ticket to Temptation. And then you're going to tell me all about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's framed as uh, Lilith Darvel's hot, sensual, romantic suspense novel. Uh, I just heated up. Mystical setting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. it's great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And while, while you're checking out Lilith's website, also, be sure to check out Shauna's website. They both have their novels on there, and you can see these great covers and check out where to buy them. So certainly help support our guests and take a look at their websites. We'll give all the information for their social media on our show notes. Absolutely. Okay, so it's time to share the news from our members, and we have a lot to share this month. Rosanna Battagelli is pleased to announce that she has two upcoming book releases. Her fourth book for Harlequin, Rescued by the Guarded Tycoon, out March 1st and 9th through Chapters and Amazon. And Easter Morning, Easter Sun, out March 16th through Pajama Press. The book trailer of Rosanna's novel La Brigantessa, released through Anana in 2018 and the winner of a 2019 Gold Ippy Award for Historical Fiction is now on YouTube. Oh, great news, Rosanna. Two books in one month. You must be very busy. <laughs> also, Adam Smith is pleased to announce the completion of his mystery trilogy entitled The Freedom Flaw. These three novels tell the story of a Canadian psychology professor and former CSIS spy after a Harvard associate turns up dead on the same day they were to meet. When the local detective determines the death is suspicious, the investigation unravels a complicated conspiracy that originated in 1965 to hijack the U.S. Congress. The probe expands to the Massachusetts State Police, the FBI, and progresses all the way to the president. Public deception, public discovery, and public action are available on Rakuten Kindle as ebook and Amazon Kindle in ebook and paperback formats. Congratulations, Adam. Catherine Graham's seventh poetry collection, Ether, an out of body lyric, launches April 15th. 
a partnership between Toronto Lit Up, Wolzak and Wynn, Toronto Arts Council, Toronto International Festival of Authors, and Knife Fork Book. Jennifer Garretts describes the collection as, This might be shelved in poetry, but it's essay and mystery and grief and healing and love, too. Graham has a spiraling way of writing that is mesmerizing. With each revisit of a fact or feeling, more is revealed. Everything about this book is perfect. Word choice, pacing, even the presentation on the page. I can't wait for that one. And it's just in time for National Poetry Month in April. So an international award-winning author, Samarine Asang, is pleased to announce her third book in the Stolen series, Once Upon a Broken Time. From 21st century London, a modern-day travel blogger meets a recluse prince from the 15th century England through a magical mirror inside a cursed castle where past and future collide in a tale of love, obsession, betrayal, and the hope for redemption. Check out Sam Reen's website, S-A-M-R-E-E-N-A-H-S-A-N.com for full details. That sounds like something right up my alley, actually. Last up, Guglielmo Dizia is pleased to announce that his debut novel, The Transaction, published by Guernica Editions, is a Forward Indies Book of the Year awards finalist. Great news for all these Canadian authors, Toronto branch members. Absolutely, Chris. Some good things are happening for our members right now, and we always love to hear that. And, you know, I, I love giving the member news because we get to read the descriptions of the books, and that's so fun to me. I feel like we're reading some book trailers off, and I just, I, I love that part. <laughs> so one last reminder before we get going. For our published CAA members, you can now subscribe to our member book catalog through the Canadian Authors Association national website. Members have exclusive access to this optional user fee-based service, and anyone can access the catalog to buy your book, so that provides an extra opportunity to promote and sell your books. The listings just continue to grow, so check in regularly at canadianauthors.org slash national slash member dash book dash catalog. Well, Brandy, it's time for us to call it a day. Remember, listeners, we are planning something special for when we reach 1,000 downloads. We're just over 800 now, so help us get to the 1,000 download mark by spreading the word, liking us on your favorite social media, sharing us with your friends, and subscribing to the podcast. And that, my friends, brings us to the end of our 11th episode of Words with Writers podcast. As always, thank you so much for being with us this month. And we'll return to you next month with a new poetry-themed episode on Saturday, April 17th. Bye, Bye. everyone.